Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. <laughs> I'm Skullboy. <laughs> I just you can't I can't do help it. I you can't you no, it's no no no. What it is is I looked at your face while you were making the transformation between normal Yochai uh-huh. and like announcer voice Yochai, right. which is like there is like a it's like when you hear somebody order a pizza for the first time. <laughs> Do you know this phenomenon? No. You're like, what's their? D-? It's like, for instance, also like specifically, like my wife has an amazing talent of sounding Midwestern when on the phone. <laughs> and it's like it's a skill used to specifically soothe who is ever on the other side of the phone. Like no one can be mad at her on the phone because <laughs> she sounds super friendly in like a very specific way. I realized how um, often on work phone calls i say all righty i say it maybe like <laughs> 10 times a day at work all righty all righty i'm like who am i like take a good look in the mirror i'm like i don't like this person you know <laughs> so what's your new catchphrase gonna be i don't i, just, I don't ha-cha-cha. know i mean yeah ha-cha-cha. We're, look we're hachi machi n- nine to five brad is a completely different guy he's Got completely it. different all right uh-huh. I, I don't like him. It's a mask we wear, but you know, I feel I fear the mask is ultimately the true self. Oh you know wow, I mean? wow! That's what I'm afraid of. I don't wait. I have a question. Wow. Are we keeping this or are we restarting? Because we haven't we haven't made it there. Okay. We're already getting into the we're getting into the good stuff, man. Yeah, you're okay. you're throwing out the ba- the right. baby with the bathwater here. Okay, let you know what we're gonna do. No, we're just gonna move forward. So as you can probably Great. tell, we are joined today by Sam Mamelli. AKA oh, right. Skullboy. And that can only mean one thing. It's time for another. Time. Oh, <laughs> did you want to say it? Go ahead, you say it. <laughs> you say, it. say it. It's time. I, well, because here's the thing. Hold on. Because okay. like, there's like a cool theme song now for Deep Dive. Yeah. That's true. And I keep, I'm going to, I'm so when, next time I have some free time, I'm going to do some sick guitar yeah. riffs and uh, make up a Gamer Blast like segment song. Okay. And okay. it's going to be like, <laughs> Really, gamer yeah. blast it's like it's gonna be sick oh, that's great. it's gonna it's gonna rip all sorts of i don't want any of this i don't okay how about a ska version uh, that's more i guess that would be funnier I, the okay. fourth wave yeah. of ska we can trace it back to one important event and that is an episode of a dnt podcast yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. Anyhow, are there any D and D themed ska bands? Oh God, there I should be. guarantee you there are. I don't want to know about them. Don't tell me about them. If you have a D and D ska band, keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> I know you're I, out there. I was in a, I was in a ska band in high school. Uh, was it D and D themed? We were called No, we were called Dolly and the Llamas. That's pretty good. Um, That's a good name. And That's a good it, name. Yeah, it was it was fun. We we did it for like a summer. It's you know. I think it's a it's a rite of passage I, to be in a ska band. Man, I let, let me tell you, everyone should have a ska phase. All right. Yeah. All right. I love ska. It, ska is fascinating. But I like it. I like it where I can see it. Okay. I like Listen, you know, gentlemen, in the distance. I, can I just do the introduction? Yeah, no I, even what's your relationship with ska? Let's I, get I mean, into it. I can talk to you about it, but let's just get through this. I first. don't really want to. Let's get <laughs> into the show. Okay. Here. All right. As you probably know by now. <laughs> This is another Gamer Blast from the past, and we are going to be talking about N1 Against the Cult of the Reptile God. There, That's it. Yeah. Wow. I have a, Can't I, believe I, you just I, introduced I, the thing we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I mean, okay. Do your job, man. That took long that's enough. Like, that's what you're here for. Jesus. Anyway. Uh-huh. I have a question. 
what does the N stand for? Do you know? Yes. Niles. It's novice. So, so, no, no, it's novice. Okay. It's not yeah, Niles. No. I always think it's Niles. I, I had the same exact. I thought it was Niles. And then um, I'll bring this up later. But I, I was just talking to someone about it. And they said, you know, N stands for novice, right? I said, well, I really thought it was Niles. But then if you look at the rest of the N series, no, they're, it's they're not, not Niles. Niles. No. Yeah, they all, they yeah. all, all but one have N's in their name. So I almost. There's another. I believe there's two Douglas Nileses in the end series. Oh, possibly, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, the, maybe the, the last one or something. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, it is novice. I thought it was Niles too. Don't feel bad, Sam. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what's crazy is I looked it up because I was like, does it stand for Niles or does it stand for something else? I looked it up and then forgot. Immediately. Douglas Niles wrote this module. That's why we're all saying Niles. I have oh the Wikipedia page for Douglas Niles right. open right now, and I'm looking at yeah. him, and he looks like Kyle Gass a little yeah. bit. I don't know who that from is. Tenacious D. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other guy in Tenacious yeah, D. Yeah, the other guy. Yeah, the balder guy. Um, yeah. Okay, can we just get through the introduction and then? Yeah. Sure. Is- what did you want to say? All right. So, as some of you may know, gamer blasts from the past are when we are joined by Sam and Ellie to talk about classic modules. And today I'm very excited to talk with you both about N1 against the cult of the reptile God. Um, before we get there, let's read a question from the mailbag, Mootsack, whatever we're calling it now, uh, and get from our mailbag. Only from only between question. two Karens at gmail.com. G'day. Hi. Hello. First time, long time. Thank you for the podcast. It's a ripper. I, you know, I can guess where this caller is coming from, where this writer is coming from, physically, geographically. Wisconsin. <laughs> it's a wicked ripper. I'm new to OSR, and I've come to it through a circuitous. Say this word for me. Circuitous. Circuitous route, starting with 5E when it first came out, quickly abandoning it for PBTA, FITD which I've never read aloud before, <laughs> Forged in the Dark, and other indie story games. One of the things I was excited to find out about coming to OSR games was gold for XP. After being frustrated by seemingly random milestone XP for years, an XP system that incentivizes a playstyle that reinforces the genre seemed like a win. But you've mentioned multiple times on the show that you're not a fan of gold for XP. I understand why you would be, but I'm just wondering what you use instead. Thanks again for the show. Curious in Canberra. And I think the you here was specifically directed at me because I don't think Brad has ever that said. Canberra, Wisconsin? That no, that's yeah. Canberra, Australia. Oh, uh-huh. that makes more sense. Is that that's not how they say it, right? They say Can- is, they say Canberra? What do they say? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm way too I'm way too bashful yeah. to yeah. um I have to like really Well, we should know because it's the capital of Australia, hey, right? Is so, that true? Yes, it is the capital. I'm, I'm a real American dum-dum over here, you know? I'm, like, staring at old glory right now. I'm like, nothing else matters. You know what I mean? That's okay. That's, <laughs> like, I think Australia is basically just, like, not actually that different from America. Yeah. Are they? They'll, they'll be mad at me for saying that, but, like, culturally, there's a lot of similarities. No, they're the Texas of England. That's how I think about them, you know? They're, huh. just, they're just, like, that's where the cool actors come from who are much stronger than everyone else. I just, that's my impression of Australia. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know anything about it. I'd love to go there. Thanks for Bluey. Um, all right. So <laughs> I, I feel like I've said too much on this. I'd love to hear uh, – well, I'm happy to say what I use instead of XP, but 
I also would like to hear what your thoughts are in general on gold for XP and on experience systems in general. Go. Uh, Sam, what do you got? You start. Okay. Um, I, I, I actually like gold for XP mostly because it's, I, what I like is having a sort of gold for XP in my mind, at least is sort of an easy way to like facilitate lots of different things. So like, People in the world use money for things. And so acquire money to get goods or services is like sort of an easy, like when we, when we're in fantasy, like we need some touchstones, like reality touchstones to like keep things moving. And I also though, like, I think about it a lot in terms of like, okay, like, I don't know. Sorry. This is like one of those things where I I wrap my head around it a lot and I try to develop systems for my own games that sort of utilize uh, gold for advancement. But like also you can sort of get around that if you want. So like I, I do things like I determine how much like like what like a favor is worth and things too. So like, you know, you can say like, Or like, you know, like what, like, like the, like the, the, the value of like whatever, like experience would be like, say looking over, like, say you get to like the secret underground dungeon waterfall, like I've in times been like, oh, that's like, that's like a piece of treasure almost. Like you saw that kind of thing and it was worth sort of like this much in like gold (laughs) for XP terms. Like I've get, I get a little abstract with it because it does, I think at the beginning of a campaign, it can be really useful. And I think as like a campaign wears on, depending on the kind of game too, it's hard. Cause like, I think for a, I think for like a mega dungeon game that I play in, uh, I've played in a couple of, it's really useful to have like a sort of like that, the, you know, the, you like, you go into the dungeon, you get the gold and then you use the gold to like, you you level up, but also you use it to like build institutions and like, you know, bribe people and build weird stuff and like forge items, like all that kind of stuff. It's just like sort of a shorthand kind of thing, but like, I don't know, it just like, doesn't have to be a hard and fast followed rule. Um, and it also gold for XP makes a lot more sense when you consider that the way that it was working in AD and D First edition was like you're paying for the training. Yeah, right. Like you don't just automatically level up because you got gold. Uh You like take it to like, you know, like Captain Third Level Ranger that lives in the city near you, and like he teaches you how to be a better ranger for like you know X amount of money. Sort of like just like an intricate network of like sort of scam karate schools. Like that's how I think about it. It's like you're buying the next belt. Yep um kind of thing <laughs> yeah that's like you can't look at it too hard you can't treat it too serious and sometimes you gotta fudge it a little bit but i, I like it better than just like yeah than just like whatever i don't know yeah yep yep okay i um i'll i'll say uh my turn i like gold for xp i'm a fan uh i think it's good and uh, it's actually it's actually really good as far as i'm concerned it's great wow <laughs> Yeah, here's why I like it. I think if uh-huh. once players get in their head that they want treasure more than anything else, it reframes how you approach uh, a dungeon delve or an adventure. Um, you you look at violence differently because you're all you're weighing the consequences. Yes, I see a monster head, but what's it worth to me? You know, uh, 
Is, does it have treasure? Is there an easier way to get the treasure? Can we use a clever plan to get the treasure without having to fight it? I think it reframes a lot of encounters um, with um, a, a new element that, um, yeah, I think it it, uh, it discourages going to violence as the default, which I think makes for a more fun game. Yeah. Um, so I like that. Uh it can bring some interesting narrative complexities when you give players a lot of treasure and it does, you don't know how to get it out and makes new plots emerge from that. How do we get the treasure from here to there? Um, what I think, play, I think players are often let down by this, however, in that a lot of the old school books I'm looking at, I'm looking at, you know, for like VX, D&D, et cetera. It just doesn't give players enough to spend their money on. So it's like, you got to get it. You got to get it. You got to get it. And, you know, sure, they got to get it. But once they have it, what do they do with it? And I just wish there's like bigger sheets of like, here's stuff to buy. You know what I mean? Like, give me the price of a castle. Give me the price of like hiring an assassin. Give me the price of like getting a centaur to follow me around forever. Like, I I know that kind of more firmly solidifies like setting into a game, but I feel like that should be something in every supplement. I want like a price sheet of stuff that I can buy in this adventure, in this setting. Yes, Sam, you got something to say to that? Yeah, well, yeah, just because I I think that like it's been a while since I've since I've looked through BX specifically, Uh but like OD and D definitely has castle prices. Oh, really? Like like built around specifically like pamphlets you. Yeah, in the pamphlets, uh-huh. it's like got it, and it's like sort of like toyetically based on like this is how much a turret costs, yeah. this is how much a gate mm, costs, sure. and so it's like you've got like you can spend your money on because like very OD and D very much is like getting from right. you know you're the guy in the hole to building a hole yeah, of your own. It's a stronghold, right? Yeah, you build a strong yeah because like fighters build a stronghold, clerics build a church, yeah, um, and then you're like hiring people and stuff like that, and I think a lot of times they've got like yeah like like assassin hiring tables and stuff like that. I think frequently Uh those rules get overlooked specifically in like modules because the module in my mind exists sort of outside of the like home campaign. It's like this weird thing that you have to adapt, but that's all I wanted to say. Here's my thing though. is like, if money is power, show me some of the um, applications of this power, you know, because I feel like that if you had a cool enough list of things you could buy, it could almost kind of like balance against the kind of five E school of D and D where you get powers by leveling up. Like, you know what I mean? Let me buy power, you know, let me buy like cool stuff that does interesting things, not necessarily like magic and magic items, but I'm just saying like ways to interact with the world in new ways. You know what I mean? How much for like a, a jet ski or an airship or a, you know, a, a dragon that I can summon or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that I wish was in there. Anyway, I have a question That's fair. In, yeah. in the OE in the OD and D stronghold domain rules or whatever. Did they have rules for uh, combat? Like when you're like, like, let's say you have a attack against a stronghold and you'd use chainmail for that. You just use chainmail. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Like the way that, that OD and D works is like you kind of, you kind of like there's a lot of, there's a lot of hay being made about whether or not you need chainmail to play OD and D, mm-hmm. but like it certainly helps for stuff like that. And a lot of the OD and D combat stuff makes a lot more sense when you reframe it through the lens of chainmail. Yeah. So, so there's like AD and D has like its own sort of complete internal system. says, right. Well, no surprises yeah. there. Um, yeah. 
so my take on this is I don't like gold for XP. I understand it, but my problem isn't gold for XP. My problem is XP. And mm. that's my, you know, this is the, this is my whole de- thing. So it's probably not going to be that applicable to people who are immersed in classic play as much. Um, I understand why gold for XP makes complete sense because you're rewarding players for doing the thing that the game is about. And that, that makes complete sense to me. Um, and the game is about going into holes in the ground and then killing a monster and taking their stuff. Like, you know, it's Western pastiche, colonial, whatever. It's fun. I totally, totally agree. The reason I prefer non-XP systems in general is I feel like rather than having a barrier to character growth and advancement, I'd rather just have it happen organically. And I know that that's like not easy for everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, especially folks who are maybe more into the the GM player divide and, and you know not crossing the line and such. But I, this has been in my head a lot lately because I've been working on these downtime rules for Karen second edition and I've been play testing them. And I, I actually think I have them in a place that makes me happy. And largely all they do is tee off experiences that happen in play. Like I'm, I'm not really interested in things happening outside of the scope of play. And that includes advancement. And in gold for XP systems, you have this non-diegetic mechanic, right? You have this you have this thing that says, hey, um, you've done this thing. And that translates to this abstract concept, which we then, um, look, you know, compare to a chart. And then we say, hey, you now are a better person at this thing because you have reached this abstract level. And I understand why that works. And I'm not denigrating it. I just don't find it as interesting or engaging for me as a person running the game or playing the game. Um, personally, like I, I would rather have, for instance, um, I ran a electric Bashland campaign many years ago. And, um, the setting is what later became my clay shelf supplement adventure, whatever you want to call it. That, um, is on itch. And in that setting, there was this kind of maniac, big, bad boss guy who wasn't special powered or anything. He was just a, complete psychopath the player characters one of them extracted his consciousness from his body as he was laying prone and i didn't know what he was going to do with this you know i didn't know what was going to happen with this psychopath's consciousness and the player character drank the vial of the character's essence you drank this psychopath which i could never have foreseen and so what happened is uh, i made a ruling that all right, um, make a make a, a will save or a cha save, whatever you want to call it, and if you succeed, uh, you will survive this. And he did. And then I said, going forward from now on, you're gonna re- well first you're gonna reroll your willpower. And but the cool bit was I said whenever you have um, an enemy that's prone or um, basically at your mercy, you miss you must make another charisma save in order to avoid just murdering them outright letting this consciousness take over basically and sure that's not like a typical advancement or anything but it was an example of where a player had their character do something concrete and they the player character was changed irrevocably after that on top of a mechanical change like i'm not against having mechanical changes as a result of play i mean that's what xp is I just think it should be more rooted in what's actually going on in the fiction as opposed to, all right, you killed your 50th monster um, and you collected this much gold. 
bring it back and uh, swap it out. Now, here's a question I have for you guys. What do you prefer over gold for XP versus just monster killing for XP? No, I don't like monster killing XP. Well, monster killing for XP is like doesn't doesn't wasn't work for me in terms of like unless you're like I don't know unless you're playing like a literal monster hunter yes. game where you're like trying to like sell the meat or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Or you have to eat and you're it like basically like, like doing fantasy <laughs> whaling or yeah, you're like eating it's like a there's like a you have it's I think a lot of times you have to build you have to decide for yourself like what makes sense for the world that you're building. And yeah, obviously the kind of game that like, you know, you want to run, but in terms of like, if, if I don't do gold for XP, I lean into something that's more like a dungeon crawl classics kind of like, it's just the, the small numbers for overcoming challenges. And so like you sort of in, and it's like a little on the fly. It's just like, you know, what's a challenge here and then you do it. But like, so like the thing that you described just sounds to me like what happens if you get like a magic sword in D&D, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like got an ego score and like all this stuff yeah, and like sure. maybe it's cursed sure. so you can't lose it. And sure. like, and I mean, in that case, there would be the gold equivalent of that sword is something that you'd get in experience points. And then, you know, you get down back to town, basic D&D, you don't have to specifically pay for the training. So it would sort of factor out the same way. And I think really then the 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 point of all of this is, you know, make make the the game feel meaningful for the players, whatever that means. If that means like if there's going to be a ton of treasure, make sure they got something to spend it on. Make sure they've got all of the shopping lists and like an understanding of like, yeah, how much does a castle cost? How much does an airship cost? How much does, you know, a herd of wildebeest cost? Like whatever it is that they like want it or like how much, how much to like raise up an army. Like these are just like, just give people the understanding of the value of a dollar a little bit. And if it's not a dollar, just give them the understanding of like, you know, this is sort of, this is the currency that we're using, even if it's just like cool stuff. Right. Like, right. and, and I, I think I it's would, just a communication yes. thing. At the I end think of the, the downside though, to that system, and I ran into this in a game last week, I have a couple players who not only hate tracking gold, they hate um, shopping. Like they, they you know, they want to care about like, like scarcity does help, but you know, oh, let's figure out. Like, I, we were trying to factor how much it would cost to rent mules and pay for a hireling and um, pay for their hotel or their tavern while they were out of town. And two players said this is like the least fun part of the game for me. Like, I like the limitations. I just don't enjoy the the bookkeeping aspect. And mm. um, to me, XP for gold is is in some ways another version of that. I also would push back a little bit in saying it's the same because. I think when you root advancement in what happens in the fiction, the advancement gets freaking weird. It gets weird. It's not as prescribed, which has a downside. It requires a lot more on the GM to like come up with that stuff. And so I understand why that's not as popular, but to me, it's frankly really easy. And it's it's because I I played story games for a long freaking time. And I honed those specific skills of making shit up on the fly and in the way that like Dungeon World would do or something. Go ahead, Brad. You were going to say Well, something. I was just thinking with that system, do you find that maybe quieter characters are more um, hesitant or more, you know, people, players who don't charge forward and, you know, drink the ghost juice or whatever. Do they advance less because, you know, they're, there's less opportunity for them to interact with like weird advancement? 
if they don't know right, like, well, so what this advancement goes back, is. Yeah. This goes back to the old, like, how do, when you don't have a con- a concrete system for something, mm-hmm. some people are left out because right. they might not have the skills. Um, there's I have two answers. One is, at least in the story games community, specifically in Dungeon World, you are taught to ask questions and use the answers. You're told your job is to put the spotlight on a character and make sure that that, or on the player, and make sure that they are involved. Mm-hmm. But you're right, even knowing that, I remember one time I was running Dungeon World for a um, a guy that I had played with in 5th edition games for three years, like twice a week, like a guy I played with a lot. And he told me, okay, I'm a cleric. And I said, tell me about your god. And he said, oh, it's that kind of game. Right. And I remember him him really struggling with that. And then another guy from the same campaign, no matter what, we played so many different systems and so many different campaigns together and he was always a ranger without exception <laughs> yeah. always a ranger always and he would never talk he still enjoyed it and he definitely enjoyed those concrete um power scaling systems more but i guess what i'm saying is there is no right single one right system for every single player right. it's just not going to happen but for the kind of systems that i like to run and the kind of games i like to play uh-huh. i i actually can see having a fun time with with gold for xp or any traditional xp system um i just to me, would feel limited by it, you know, uh, and that that could be a, a me problem. But I would feel like it doesn't give me. I I want to do the foreground growth. I want to do the the um organic uh, diegetic yeah. advancement. You know, there's a um one of my favorite. So one of the first RPGs I ever played, and probably one of my favorite video games, was a Game Boy game, Final Fantasy Legend Two, which I think was a saga game originally. Um, oh yeah 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 that's like uh yeah it's like it's it's very much go into the tower get the monsters and come out yeah right? like it's, it's like or it's get the really bizarre and, but one thing i really like about that game is every character class has a different a different mechanic for leveling up like humans mm-hmm. or i'm sorry not class so every every race or every kin or whatever humans just like get xp um and level up um th- you can be a monster monsters level up by eating meat of other monsters like when you kill a monster it drops meat and if they eat meat of a stronger monster they evolve into a stronger monster um robots get stronger by they're all about what they're equipped with so you just like load them down with with uh big items and that makes them stronger um that seems really cool i would love to see a system like that where part of like the class experience is like picking how your character advances in the same time Mm. I think there's like there, there's uh, something there. There is um uh-huh. the, there is that um uh oh, shoot it just came out. You'll know this Sam because the the cover art I think is um in your in your wheelhouse. Uh, mm. There was a I want to say OSE supplement that's um all about having unique classes. It came out as a zine. Oh, old school stylish. Old school stylish. Oh yeah, that's Thank a fun you. one. And you yeah, did yeah, yeah. know it. You did know it. Yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind, it kind of does yeah. That. Yeah, you have to kind of like unlock that's a that's a really cool. Powers. Yeah, you you yeah, you, it's sort of treated as like a you go out and you get um you you yeah, you 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 like seek out like masters that train you in specific right. abilities yeah, and right. it's sort of like you build right. a class sort of from that. The thing I was going to say a little while back that for gold for XP, one of the things that I think really makes a difference here is that like gold for XP I think works a lot better in campaigns that have a like a fluid table 
like you're you're running like a weekly game and it has like different people showing up sure. to it just because sure. it gives you like a little bit of flexibility in terms of like you know you got somebody that's like here every week but you got somebody that like comes every once in a while like it gives i think just a little bit of a baseline for like and you know like what it's because like a game like that is going to inherently there's going to be moments in it they're a little bit less personal mm-hmm. than others depending on how much you're playing in it mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. it evens things out a yeah, little bit there definitely and, definitely and I, and so like that's i think just a thing that tends to get lost because like i think a lot of people aren't thinking about that kind of game when they're thinking about a tabletop game oh, these days. Sure. a lot of people have for like sure. their like set groups which is cool like if you can get people that show up every week that's awesome yeah. i've found that like having playing in games and running games that you have like a rotating like a st- like a like a stable of yeah. players right. can be really very really helpful as like you know a busy adult yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm doing West marches right now is mm-hmm. because not the same people show up every time and it's great. It's like, yeah. this is when we're playing. Yeah. Show up if you can make it. Yeah. Uh, My- I, and I think I t- t- it. one other thing, the reason I've kind of crapped on it, Gold for XP in the past is not actually because I have a problem with it as a system, as a mechanic. It's because we're reading these modules where there's so much gold at such scales that it's laughable. You know, it, it's like when we were doing, um, what was the one with the, uh, the against the giants? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're finding so much gold, and the reason you're finding so much gold is because it's like, you know, you're playing at tournaments, right? Well, that's that's. Yeah. I'm sorry, the vast majority of people I know do not play at tournaments, uh-huh. and, and well, so, I mean, tournament are tournaments even a thing? Exactly. Anymore, really? well, like, I would, well, I was thinking, I'm sure there are for conventions. Oh yeah, like convention yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think so, like, the, but there are there are tournaments still. Yeah, but I th- specifically with against the giants, I think that's more like risk reward thing you know hey there's you're not going to complete against the giants like you're not going to get 100 percent clear every room it's like you're picking your battles like is it worth it f- going into this giant laundry room and fighting all the giant laundry people to empty the pockets of yeah. the giant laundry it's like that kind of thing but yeah I, I i smell what you're cooking i accept your opinion i accept our differences of opinion and you know what yeah. i celebrate them frankly I just think that there's a lot of different options here. And I think it's good to, I think it's just good to like sort of know that there are a lot of options that like different things are going to work better for different scenarios. Like I think anytime I'm always wary of somebody who preaches like one solution to every problem. That's why I don't play fate. Um, (laughs) We got the spicy takes. Shots fired. Shots fired. Tell me to play a different game, everybody. Um, now, to, but, to be clear, we didn't yeah. mention like, you know, in uh, there are games like the Black Hack where you you level up for having certain experiences and then you have to go and um, uh, kind of tell stories uh-huh. about them. And for every, t- every mm-hmm. time you tell a story, that's when you advance. And I think it's kind of a cool little, you know, I, li- I like stuff like that. Or in um, in Wolves Upon the Coast, you have to boast you have to like go yeah, and boast right. and then you build your I, like there's a, so many different systems dungeon world it's like uh-huh. very simple it's it's you you get xp when you fail yeah and you get xp when you um overcome a powerful enemy or discover something interesting about the world because those things help create the style of play that the game is trying to do and that's what to, to your point sam like it's all about the kind of game you want to play and not just the kind like an OSR game, but like, no, what you like out of the game. And, and I think, yeah, I think gold for XP is a very, of all the various like simple mechanics for, you know, helping people advance. I, I really do think it's a, it's one of the better ones out there, especially if you're playing classic modules 
which we're about to. Well, review. good show, guys. That's, that was our review of yeah. Against the Cult oh, of the Reptile God. That's the bonus and, episode. Uh, Damn, it's okay. been great. Okay. Uh, follow our Patreon, like and subscribe. Hit the bell as well. Okay. Okay. Um, to okay. your right okay. is okay. more videos that's you enough. can watch of uh, of our our show. Works. And that's <laughs> okay. wait. Okay, stop. Let's just. Can I just continue? Okay. <laughs> just a little joke over here. Just kind of riffing a little bit based on how long we spent talking about that question. Yeah. Didn't I mean to offend you. I'm going to get out of the way. Longer. Just. I'm going to get out of the way. Longer. Okay. Go ahead and introduce. What are we going to? What are we going to talk about now? Yeah. Okay. In the review portion of the show. Go. Switching to announcer <laughs> mode. Okay. For our main review, <laughs> we're going to be talking about N1 against the cult of the reptile god. How many of these things start with the word against, by the way? Is that, it's our pretty, second against. Seems this, yeah. So many. I have a bunch of books next to me. Uh-huh. And one day someone said to me, so many of those books have the word against in the yeah. title. They're like against capitalism, against postmodernism. It says a lot about the world, to- you know. Where's our with Whoa. the cult of the reptile god, you know? <laughs> yeah. Talking it out with the cult okay. of the reptile god. Okay. Yeah. Snuggling <laughs> up with the cult of the reptile god. All right. So this is written. <laughs> Learning to love with the cult of the reptile god. All right. So this is written by Douglas Niles. I am not sure if he did the layout as well or if that's a TSR thing. There's no credits listed for that, but. 1982, uh, right? What year? There was a yeah. I got I got a couple of little things. Okay, here. I do too. By the way, um, great. Uh, but great. yes, th- thank you, Brad. Um, so this was this is copyright 1982, published by TSR, written by Douglas Niles, edited by John Pickens. Development is Alan Hammock, art Tim Truman, cartography Stephen Sullivan. Now I just want to say both Tim Truman and Stephen Sullivan were not credited anywhere in this in the version of the book I have from Drive. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for searching that out. <laughs> like Truman at least had, is si- signed. Yeah. The, you can kind of figure it out. Piece. You can kind of figure it out for him, but it's it's not super easy, but even I, I just, how it's like the, the credits themselves is just Douglas Niles and John Pickens. And I think Alan Hammer goes in there, but that's it, you know? And it's a little, little, little weird. Yeah. Another thing I just want to point out about this is that of all the classic modules we have reviewed, this is the first one that I have absolutely zero complaints about the font, about the print quality, about the quality of the maps and images. Everything is perfect. The POD is the best POD of one of these modules I've ever bought. And just to be clear, you're you're reading a print-on-demand copy from DriveThruRPG, correct? Correct. I have Now, I do happen to have other PDFs of these Uh that have um, appeared before my eyes over the years, and they they differ slightly in in terms of color like some of them pop more but the the content looks exactly the same so i don't believe it's been uh-huh. altered yeah. in fact i did read somewhere that this one the uh the <laughs> the the ver- this one is called 1e the the file name is 1e but in this version, there's like apparently a problem with one of the maps. Like you can't, there's not, there's supposed to be an exit on the map and it's not there. I couldn't verify that, but so there have been changes over the years. I think that said, this is by far the best scan, best quality of this module I've ever seen. I really appreciate being able to read it clearly. Thank you. There we go. Um, yeah. Shout out to whoever the intern was that did the scanning on this. They, they knocked yeah. it out of the park this time. They, they're actually working, uh, <laughs> At Wizards <laughs> of the Coast now. Uh, 
Um, yeah. What about what about our history lesson? Do we have any history lessons today? Anyone want to? Sam, can you tell us about this? I, I got I got like a couple of little factoids that I I well I I, I did a little research mm-hmm. on Douglas Niles. Um, I found out that he got into D and D because he was a he was a a, a school teacher. Um, he was a speech and English uh, high school teacher, and he basically one day. A girl came up to him and was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I have to leave early. Um, and, uh, because people magazine wants to interview me and he's like, why does people magazine want to interact, uh, interact with you at all <laughs> child? And she's like, well, my name is Heidi Gygax and my dad invented a game that everybody's playing. Um, and then he was like, well, that's interesting. And then she brought him a copy of D and D and that's how he got his first set of D and D and started playing. Uh, and then, uh, I guess he got a taste of the sweet cream and he wanted the cow. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then he, he, he saw that there was an opening at TSR for an editor. He took their editing test and failed it. (laughs) Um, and then after that, he saw that there was another opening at TSR for game designer and got himself into the game design position because he had just his campaign notes and everything like that. And I guess it was good enough that he got the job there. And then uh, this was the first thing he wrote. It was basically uh, something that had, it was like a project that had been sort of briefly talked about, backburnered, you know, novice module. I think they had the name um, and there's like a brief for it. And he wrote that and that was his introduction here. And then he wrote a bunch of other stuff, including um, he's one of the creators of Dragonlance. He uh, did the first three Forgotten Realms novels um and uh a lot of a lot of general like novel based stuff actually with his stuff uh i I, one other thing i wanted to add to unless there's more do you have more Mm. historical context? no that's all that's that that was my sort of you know so one other thing about the kind of historical context here this is a greyhawk uh yeah what do you call it this is a this is setting greyhawk Mm -hmm. this adventure um yeah which is cool i noticed that there's this rumor table in the first couple pages. Mm-hmm. And I wondered mm-hmm. when was the first rumors table published? Like what adventure had the first. Rumors table? And I, I have the answer to this. I want to know what you guys would guess is the first rumors table. Well, I know there's one in B1. That's correct. That's correct. How about you? Let me see though. I know cheating. I'm not cheating. I'm just thinking. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. I'm going to guess with so B1. So I, yeah. you are correct for the most part. There's a little, uh, that's what I thought as well when I did some cursory researching. And I reached out to my friend, Tom Van Winkle, who his blog is lichvanwinkle.blogspot.com, um, who is a historian by trade and, and has done a lot of historical posts on his blog. Here's what he said. The first published rumor table is in Mike Carr's module B1 in Search of the Unknown. Hey. Which was distributed with Holmes' basic D&D set in 1978 and, 1990, and 1979, so it had a big impact. But there is reason to think that it borrowed the model of the legend table from Jaquay's Caverns of Thracia, hey. which was published a nice. few months later by Judges Guild, wow. while TSR was going through its process to approve the Judges Guild publication. Interesting. So big question mark there. Did Mike Carr see what 
Janelle Jaquais had done while it was in while Caverns of Thrasia was in the publishing process and and may or maybe did TSR um you know as a company have just kind of their hands in both of these and 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 decide it would be good to borrow from one and the other it's a good question yeah but the first official published mo- uh rumor table is in my cars B1 in search of the other. Wow, cool. So that's the cool answer to that question. Nice, I, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. a cool factoid. I mean. <laughs> I asked him this question, and within 24 hours, he had not one, but two blog posts about it that he wrote. <laughs> nice. So, and not short ones. That's They're not awesome. short. They are long blog posts. So. Um, I appreciate that. I'm going to. I've read that blog before. I will check these posts out, though, because I love those little tidbits. I, I first started talking to. Tom, because he had a, I think it was a Sumerian um, character in one of his blog posts, and it was making his RSS feed crash my reader. <laughs> like, like, and I, and I, so I reached out and I said, I said, listen, something's going weird here. I think it's your weird font. Wow, his cuneiforms um, crash on the web here. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah. yeah I was going to say, yeah. he's got this cuneiform yeah. that is wreaking havoc. <laughs> well, anyways... Brad, let, tell us what this adventure is about. Okay, if it's okay with you guys, I think this one we have to go straight to the deep dive. I don't think there's any way dancing around this. What do you What do y'all think about? I that? think we can do a little bit. Can we do a tiny bit? Just a little teeny tiny. Here's one of my central uh, things with this: the title of the adventure gives it away. <laughs> well, that's that's true. No, no, it doesn't. There's something else. There's a there's a really important fact about the cult that is only relevant in the deep dive fine so i won't go full deep dive so the the premise here is player characters are led to this swamp town of orlane because they have heard rumors that something bad is going on here they don't know what's going on there's a rumor table that you can generate you know what they might have heard but they get to this town and it is yeah something fishy is going on um, the first part of the adventure is a deduction part. Players just wander around this town. They interact with villagers. All of the villagers are detailed. All of their homes are, uh, there's a brief summary of them. And through interacting with these villagers, uh, we kind of learn that there is an cult of the reptile god causing troubles here and um, brainwashing villagers. And there are cultists among the villagers. So, um, yeah, I think this module, I'm going to editorialize a bit. I think this module would work the best if players did not know what it was called and did not know this going into it. Um, but I think the title kind of gives it away. Um, from there, players, um, I guess there's some dungeon-like buildings within the town that they may explore. Um, but it's all going to lead them to the lair of the reptile god, where they like likely will venture forth to free captives and to put an end to this curse. Um, and from there, we have a pretty traditional two-level dungeon. And I think there's something like what is that, like 50 rooms or so. It's a pretty big dungeon um, where it's you go through this really swampy, muddy, awful reptile-themed dungeon to. Um, to put an end to the trouble. And that is a high level overview without hopefully spoiling too much. What do you think about this one, fellas? Can I start? I, yeah, please do. I love this module. Whoa. 
I knew, I knew it. I knew you were going to like this I, one. I really liked it. I have some quit. I have some quibbles. I do. I actually took more notes for this than anything else that we've reviewed. And wow. uh, some of it's quite interesting and we should wait for deep dive. But in general, I think the social interplay is so good. I think it's very well painted. Like what's going on? Why it's happening? What the player characters need to do? Is very well expressed by the NPCs and what's happening in the setting and the evidence left behind um, by the the disappeared people in town. Uh, it, it becomes very obvious to me reading it that anyone I ran this for would immediately pick up on, hey, something weird is going on here and it's not okay. And then as they're exploring and investigating these different kind of um, clues around town, it's not like nothing's happening. No, no. Something is totally going to happen um, very quickly, generally, right? Especially if they make mm-hmm. certain decisions about certain taverns. Because, hey, this place has not one but two taverns. And, yes. um, yeah, I mean, I like that there's multiple ways to get to the dungeon. I like that um, there is this kind of, like, <laughs> NPC superhero to interact with, which <laughs> I have some issues with, but I also kind of yeah. love it. Like, I love the the whole, here's Gandalf, bye. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. I, I mean, it, I don't, I would totally change how that goes, how that works in my own game. But in general, without going too much in deep dive, I think it's got terrific art. It's got easy to read um, layout. The It's well written and easy to read. There's only, I think, one mention or two mentions of an attractive woman, which is pretty good for this era. <laughs> um like there's one time where it's like all this information about this guy who they don't even name. And then, uh-huh. oh, and his wife is pretty attractive. <laughs> it's like, like uh, it's just so time. funny. It's just, it's like, but what's, there's a, you know, a lot of unnamed characters in this, but no, you got to point out that, that dude, he married up. Um, I gotta say though, there is a lot of named characters in this one too, which I think is refreshing. Yeah, there are. Yeah. And, and in fact, I have, specific comments about that as well i feel uh-huh. like um a simple names table would have added a lot to this like just to like fill that you could have you basically have like 20 named characters and then for the 15 or so other a family lived here five of them are not named you could just have you could just like have a quick names table would be really helpful in this but that's a really uh-huh. minor quibble i have other quibbles but they really do involve going deep dive i do want to say outside of that though um there's a lot of like counter OSR stuff in this. You oh, know, yeah. <laughs> you must match the challenge to the party strength. And Definitely. the DM may wish to playtest key encounters like this one against the party characters before actually that running. That's, wild. that's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. So what the fuck? Are, is he just ta- is like, is the DM just playing by themselves in this situation? Like, here, yeah. like, oh, hi. You know, I just can't. It's like a solo game, but not. And then I know um, for all then, of like the, you know, OSR, you know, posturing and, and, you know, um, I don't know all the manifestos about how old school gaming was like, this is n- absolutely not that this is full of, you got to balance this. You got to make sure they find a spell. Otherwise this is unbalanced. Like, here's very, a yeah. I want to talk more about it, but like there's uh-huh. parts where they're like, if this NPC isn't here, you're, you're boned. Basically, if yeah. you don't, that's written you know, in eighty-two for A, D, and D. Come like, yeah. yo, yeah, like, uh, yeah. yeah. So there's another part. One more, one more comment, and then I'm done. Um, uh-huh. Without de- you know, in the non-D dive, 
there is this weird offhand remark that I need you to explain to me. Well, no, there's two, actually. I have two things. One for each of us. Okay. The weird, yeah. The This is more likely you'll know the answer to this, Sam. Okay. As DM, ask about their sleeping arrangements, being sure to mention that sleeping in armor is uncomfortable and may attract parasites or disease. What? Why would armor attract parasites or disease? I mean, you get, I think... the idea is that you you get swamp ass kind of <laughs> like like it's it's it's, <laughs> it's unhygienic here. to sleep in. I think what he's trying to do there is set a because re- I don't know about you guys, but I've played in lots of games where you have like uh-huh. somebody in the party has decided that their character uh-huh. never takes off their armor. I yes. very much don't like this because yeah. it is yeah. not right. realistic. Anyone who's warm, oh, I would just armor. say you don't. You're deprived. Yeah, you're like you can't sleep in that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be the the way that the, like a Karen ruling would handle it. Like, is the right. idea like you can't? Uh-huh. Yeah, you can't just you can't just always wear your armor. And I think there is. I don't know the specifics about disease, but like I think the idea <laughs> with Paris is just like it's like you start to like cultivate a smell and like a little okay. sort of okay. terrarium like biome within here. I think yeah, I think my problem was I was imagining it happening once and like while they're in the dungeons. So I, I thought, well that's weird. Like why would they care about one night in armor attracting disease? It just seemed weird. There is I think also the idea that like if you are traipsing through the wilderness and you're like dirty and like if you're sleeping in your armor, yeah. then you're like sleeping in like right. the swamp juice that's been accumulating in it too. Mm-hmm. And so that's like it's like you're okay. you're basically taking away the right, element okay. of like maybe right. you take a that, bath. Like okay. maybe you, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the non-bathing part especially, which apparently people didn't do for a long time. But all right, this other part was very strange to me. Basically, there's a part where something happens to some characters, and as a result the author suggests you separate (laughs) the players physically separate them so that those who were not uh, victims of this event will not know what has happened. Uh, That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Does that not something that you've ever considered doing in a game? I like, I mean, I, I have had, I've had it happen. I had a guy, I ran a play by post once a really long one, huge, huge campaign. And I didn't realize when I was, I, whenever you split the party, I would create a new channel mm-hmm. on Discord so they would have their own little space. But I assume that the person who split, split off from the party would go and read what everyone was doing. And then after like three months, I learned that this oh, yeah. guy didn't read the main channel when his character wasn't part of I the group. That. Yeah. Well, which was said, crazy that's, to it me. It's pretty crazy. I had no, I had been writing it assuming he was reading the main channel as well as his own channel i had no idea anyhow i did it once in real life i was in high school and they got separated in a mountain and i remember the players were like this is cool like whoa like we don't know what's happening and they were into it for about you know a while but then the (laughs) group that wasn't in the limelight went and started playing like i don't know grand theft auto or something and that kind of <laughs> it was really hard to get the energy back like it just it wasn't it didn't work like we totally derailed so yeah um, i didn't ever do it again because yeah it's like you got to babysit the, the uh attention spans of your players you know yeah i think uh i have two things one uh it happens in both of the 
D&D episodes of Community. Interesting. Which I think is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, the Community D&D episodes are some of the best television D&D uh, that there is, I would say. Um, and then I, this is sort of like, in my mind, is like, you ever like text players around the table when they like do something that like, or like when something happens to just their character that like, sure, or like, sure. it's like passing notes or things like that. I pass yeah, a note. Yeah, I like that kind of thing. Uh, I think it's just a more extreme version of that, but it is interesting to see it as yeah. like a suggestion here of like, well, this is a way you right. could handle this because like, I mean, there has always been the sort of conversation regarding like that level of like metagaming stuff uh-huh. that happens. And like, you know, depending on how your group wants to deal with that, how, you know, intense they're going to be about that. Sometimes it can really add to the fun, I think, to not really know what's happening if people are getting like really into like first person, like character um, acting kind of stuff. And I think it just depends on the group, but like, I think, I think it can, it can totally be cool, but I think the major pitfall as Brad pointed out is like, they better not have an <laughs> Xbox in the room that they, uh-huh. cause like, if you're not the, like the, the group that's getting the most attention, like you're only going to spend time planning out the session for like so long before like, okay, we're now right. we're sort of twiddling our thumbs and waiting for the DM to come and pay attention to us. Yep. All right, Sam, what's your, what's your hot, uh, your hot power take? of this module what do you think i uh-huh. also like it um i i mean i love a well fleshed out town i really like the sort of um the build of this like i i mean i, I like that they've they've taken the time to give everybody yeah a, a name and a job and like sort of yeah. a personality and uh i think a lot of without trying, I, I, I don't know how much we're the, this deep dive is going to be a lot easier to talk about this. Um, but I think it's, I think it's like a pretty, it's a pretty straight across the plate game of D and D that you might come up with on your own. If you, for the first time are thinking about like what a game of D and D ought to be like. Um, and it's got sort of something for everybody. I feel like I wouldn't want it to actually be the first session with a group. I think it would be, it to me reads very much like the second, like the second adventure arc in like <laughs> sure. a JRPG where like, like somebody, this is somebody's hometown. You're going through something's afoot. Um, one of the things that struck me really early on is that there are no like specific adventure hooks here, but I don't know about you guys reading this. I was just like, Oh, there's so many cool things you could do to like, get people here in a way that felt meaningful just because there's so it's a very well um a well illustrated place to me like i got a really good sense of this as a place it just feels very lively and i think that if something like uh against the giants was organized like this it would have made I think it would it would it would be stronger for it. I think this sort of way that they've approached, you know, a set like three little setting spaces was really really strong, and like it gives you a lot of feeling of like, what are we doing here? Well, right. what are the people doing here? Kind of, yeah. you know, as a thing. Cool. Yeah, and I, and I I agree that uh, concrete hooks would make a difference. I feel like the the premise is something weird's over there and you're going to go figure it out, you know, but it would be very easy to create hooks. You know, a family member has disappeared yep. or yeah. your 
cousin lives there and you need to do this thing or you need to go meet this dude who lives in the woods like you work for the church of america yeah like you know you're something there oh yeah that's actually a great Um, one that's a great uh, one you you're related in some way to any of the like adventurers who are around in this town like yeah it's i think like a good hook can kind of change the narrative of a module you know like if i'm looking for one guy who disappeared you know then the adventure becomes finding that guy. If it's a big dungeon, you know, it's not necessarily about getting to the bottom of the dungeon. It's about finding the guy I came here to find, you know? Um, I feel like with this one though, like you said, it's like a very rich setting. I don't feel like you, it, you know, certainly hooks could change the course of this, but I think it's strong enough as this kind of mysterious place. You don't know what's going on. Just get people here. You just need a hook to get them here. You don't need a hook to like, let them interact with it in a different way. Just get people to the town. That's the hook, you know, and then they'll get swept up in it. Once they're here, it's just a matter of like, yeah, exactly. So all those are good. Yeah. Someone works for the temple or someone, it's some family, someone's hometown and they're coming home and you know, the family's gone. It's honestly, it's even like if you're running Uh a hex crawl game, it's kind of a great, like you're passing through here and something's off like that. I mean, it's such a classic, like episodic TV kind of thing. And it's like, there's enough meat here that you could spend a while or maybe you don't. And like, it's still sort of like something's weird in that town. And then maybe you come back and like things have developed. I don't know. All right. So Brad, what's your take? Cool. Okay. My, my take. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with both of you. I think this is a great, a great, uh, a great adventure. Um, I think Douglas Niles, 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 Niles. 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 Yes. Not like, Niles, like yes. Fraser. Yeah. Okay. Like plural. Anyway, um, he's a great writer. And I think this just reads really well. Like it is so creepy. The descriptions of the, the buildings and the inhabitants is really effective. And I think more so than some other modules of this era, you can tell this guy has a background in writing and, and you know, um, yeah, it, this a, feels it's like a pleasure. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't ever hindering me to try and, like there was no communication breakdown throughout I, the reading. I it. didn't have to read about the chairs that have nothing. useful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the details that he includes really effectively set a tone that I think is like deeply unsettling. Mm-hmm. Like there's one house you get to where there's like an unsupervised infant playing in the yard with like an overgrown yard with chickens. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> it doesn't scream <laughs> like like the baby is not covered in blood or something. There's not like a spider coming out of the baby's brain. You know, it's not it's like just unsettling full blown horror. It's just like, wh- who's watching the baby? Why is it playing with chickens? Like what's going on? You know, it's close enough to being like farm life. That's like, OK, like maybe that's not can weird, we, but it kind of feels can weird. we can we talk yeah. about the box text for a second? Because this is mm-hmm. one of the rare times that I really enjoyed the box. Yeah. text. Yeah, I think box you know, text like, is, it, is good here. The, the very first box text in the village is pleasant farmhouse and barn. <laughs> this wooden house is surrounded by attractive flower gardens with a small barn beyond. A teenage girl is churning butter on the porch, but she sees your group and runs into the house at your approach. Shadowy forms are visible behind closed curtains. It's so good. It's good. They're all like it's, that. Yeah, They're all it's just good. like exactly They're like that. They're very concise. Like They're that. not overstaying their welcome box text is a very 
you know, it's a, it's a tricky line to walk. If you've got too much there, it's just like people's eyes glaze over. So this is, yeah, very nice amount. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I like the influence of this cult on this town is that you see, this is probably minor spoilers, but cultists lives are kind of a mess. Like they don't really have it together. And you can kind of see that in their house, in their homes are kind of messy just it's just things aren't quite right, but that's not always 100% true because there's some people who are totally normal, normal, they're just slobs, you know. So I love that there's little clues, but there's also enough kind of gotchas that you really need to like investigate and talk to people. And there's interesting threads, everyone seems to like have neighbors that they don't really trust or that they like, and it really hooks it all together. Which, yeah, I, th- I think the first half is just so strong and it'd be so easy to run. Mm-hmm. You mentioned. Um, the first half being really strong. I, yeah. I, I will say one thing I forgot to say yeah. earlier is that <laughs> I kind of found the monsters in the dungeon pretty random. Like just, there's just, here's a harpy. Here's yeah. a T-Rex. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. a the dungeon's tier. nothing to write home about. Yeah. I, that's where I was getting at. I don't think it's the yeah. weakest part of the whole thing. It's fine, but it does not. I, the thing is, you could literally use any exactly. dungeon and not yeah. change anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely, yeah. It's so it's so I, interchangeable. I think there's some good stuff in the dungeon. I like the use of like mud slows you down and kind of discourages traveling someplace. Yes. I like that like ponds yes. really make you rethink how you want to navigate. And there's like hidden <laughs> yeah. boats someplace. No. Basically, if you can't see anything, don't um, go there. <laughs> it's like the yeah. the lessons in this is like there. If you can't see where your feet are, be afraid. But again, he keeps you guessing here because there is like treasure in some places where you right, just have to right. poke around and that's cool. Right. But I think where I where I keep coming to is that the variety of challenges in the dungeon isn't all that varied. It's kind of like here's a monster who sucks, who's going to sneak up on you in a crappy way, you know, and it, it kind of just happens again and again, which I wish there was more opportunities to circumvent or for dialogue. There's not a lot of NPCs to talk to. So it is. It does feel a little grindy in that it's like, okay, got to fight troglodytes, got to fight a harpy. It, um, but it's not like fifty. It's not like I don't know. I feel like you get to the next level so quickly that yeah. it's not that big of a. It's pr- not problem. It's absolutely it, not bad. But to me, the the it's not a classic because of the dungeon. I think the dungeon's serviceable, and yeah, honestly, I think like I want to defend the dungeon a little bit. Just okay, one thing. I'm I want to defend it too. You go first. Okay, I just want to say there is one point. Where you do run into this t- little T Rex, yeah, <laughs> and and I like that. There's a reason that it's there. Yeah, okay. I do yeah. like that. I do like uh-huh. that. I I I I do think there's some odd pairing of monsters in mm-hmm. there. Like, what? Why are there harpies here? Yeah. But on the other hand, there were points where they they there are harpies there, and here is why there's a room next to the harpies. You know, it's like right. it, 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 it at the very least. The, the denizens of the dungeon have a have a logic to them uh-huh. that they're not just sitting there waiting for you to show up. And um, I agree that it's not the strongest part of the module. Yeah. But I also found myself kind of nodding along. Like, oh, well, sure. that's why there's a T-Rex there. Yeah. Okay. You know. And I think it's one strength of it. I th- here's a problem. I think modern RPG players have been like Diablo brained into thinking underground spaces aren't scary. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you imagine a dungeon, you don't think that it's dark. You think that it's just gray, you know? And that's because like, when you look at a video game, things aren't dark. They're just, the colors are dark, you know? But like when you go to a cave, 
with a flashlight <laughs> or whatever. It's friggin' scary, man. Like it is scary to be in a completely underground space that is not made for human habitation. And I think like if you just get in the actual if you could somehow convey that this is like this mud dungeon that's collapsing, like the mud is falling on your head and it's wet everywhere. Like this is a really dreadful feeling place that I think is effective. Yeah, I think yeah. I I think my my feeling was that like as like a if I were to just like stick this dungeon somewhere, I don't think that would be super mm-hmm. effective or like terribly yeah. fun. But as like a piece of the whole, I think narratively it really works. I think the vibe for the dungeon is immaculate. I do think that like a yeah. lot of the mud and the notes on like, you know, emphasize dripping sort of randomly in places to upset yes. people and like offset their like understanding <laughs> of what's going on. And there's like, there would be a couple of areas where I might, you know, add a little bit more or like, you know, maybe take away. But I think ultimately it is, it is really succeeding at making a scary kind of place. And I think also Niles writing in this is, yeah, is very effective. Like to the point where I think there's like the, there's like the one uh, enemy that's like the corpse the corpse corpse yeah, razor or like one. the whatever yeah. it's it's the, the cough cough coffer corpse or something like that that's just uh-huh. like a very classic like it's it's like a it looks like a ghoul but it fights as a white or something like that but you kill it and then it gets back up which great uh-huh. always great just a great uh-huh. sort of moment it reminds me of i don't know if this will mean anything to anybody but in slings and arrows the best shakespeare adaptation show that has ever existed um there's a moment in (laughs) there's a moment in the third season where they're putting on Macbeth, and there's like this whole thing about like when there's the big fight at the end and uh you know he strikes down i forget what it is um uh there's like there's a big fight at the end and he is it duncan yeah yeah um duncan Macduff, I I'm terrible with Macbeth. Someone's gonna write uh, in. Yeah, please, you know, correct my Shakespeare. It's fine. Um, but he like sits. No, he, like, no, it is. It's, it's Macduff. Macduff. Okay. It's Macduff. Um, but he like he, yeah. he in in the play that they're putting on, he gets struck down and then he sits back up like Night of the Living Dead, and like all these people in the front row are like, <gasps> and it's like it. I had that <laughs> image in my head when this happened. It's just like it's a really good little trick to play of just like you you kill the thing and then you turn around and then there it is again. And it's got your hand, it's hands around your throat. It's like, I think that's solid, scary monster writing. All right. Let's hit the deep dive for some, some deeper thoughts here. Wait, 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 one more thing. Um, okay. (laughs) It's the evil laugh portion. Uh, No, no, sorry. Sorry. I just, it's, I always forget to do the art. Um, I was, I was confused by the art. I like it a lot, especially (laughs) the part where this guy gets hit in the head with a little tomahawk looking thing or a, a hatchet or axe, whatever that is. And his eyes are kind of crossed. Yeah. <laughs> I like that too. Find that very humorous. And there's another one where they're, they're in the same picture. They're pulling um, a mask over someone's head and you can see the person's face uh-huh. under the mask. I don't understand that. It's what is supposed it's on page yes. 12. What is happening there? I, it is. They're just pulling like a sack over their face. I, and you can see their face. I am yeah. almost certain that that face is a um, added after a note was received of it doesn't. We can't really <laughs> tell what's happening here. Make it more obvious <laughs> right. that yeah. like that it's this. This is a good illustration. The illustrations in here aren't bad. Um, like I think this might might be the best one. 
Are they sleeping in bed together? Yeah, 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 they are. Yeah, they were. Well, because there's this whole thing about, you know, who sleeps where. You have to, like, determine. I like right. that as a little character uh-huh. moment, actually, in terms of just the yeah. story and, like, what it... It's like making your character, the the players have a conversation about like who pairs off here. The second issue I have with the art is I didn't, under, I kept saying to myself, why do they keep showing these like Saurian lizard guys? Like they don't like every picture, including the cover has these like Saurian lizard guys, mm-hmm. lizard guys. So my, my impression was that the, the lizard cult was this, uh, these or the reptile cult was these like lizard people. But those are troglodytes. Yeah. I just never made that connection because in my mind, troglodytes are palladium troglodytes. They look like um like sexy ogres. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what the, they're like underground. They're not lizard like at all. They look more like humans, but like Here's a fat, I guess. Here's a discussion piece for the Discord. Um what do you think of when you think of a troglodyte? Because <laughs> it it's yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's so many, it's such a vague term. I don't think lizard person. I don't, I understand that it's been that way in a few editions, but these are very lizard-like. And at no point that I, I can't, I I took a note and by page 24 or something I had written, why are there so many pictures of lizard people? Because I didn't understand that those were troglodytes. I just didn't put that together. Uh, So yeah, that was kind of a point of confusion for me. Could just be me. But um, otherwise, I, I enjoy the, the Capcom uh, D&D beat-em-up games have troglodytes <laughs> yeah. in them that look like this. And so that's where my head went first. <laughs> and they, they've they got the stinky clouds that come off of them. And it's like, because it's like troglodytes are sort of stinky lizard people with a fin on their head, according to TSR, I guess, from, yeah, you know. I, see, I, I, that must be the difference. Because I, I, again, think of, if you get a chance, uh, listeners... Try to find a picture of a troglodyte for Palladium and you'll see what I'm talking about. Because that's what I that's what I think about. Yeah, make sure uh ask an adult first though before you look at that. Yeah, one. don't 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 look at work, uh, you know, if you yeah. know what we're talking about. <laughs> um the uh the other troglodyte uh bit that I always think of is there's there's a troglodyte in or a named troglodyte, I guess, in uh, it's one of the the old Sinbad movies, like the like the Harryhausen ones. I think it's um, yeah, like the Golden Voyage. I think it's Eye of the Tiger. Um, it's the one mm-hmm. where they like sail through like Antarctica into like a uh, like a little like Garden of Eden space. That there's a big pyramid there. Which I mean, first of all, one of my just the, there's the bird lady with the she's got the the bird foot, and it's like a whole. It's a, those movies are great. Some of my favorite stuff. Um, but there's like a troglodyte that like. Uh, one of the main characters is like bathing in a river in a very like sixties, like babe way. And then there's just like this, like predatory troglodyte that sneaks up on her, but he's just a giant caveman basically with like a horn or something. Um, but that's my other troglodyte touchstone. So shout us out figure. What's your troglodyte touchstone? What do you think of when somebody says troglodyte? (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's, um, Let's move on to Deep Dive starting now. Deep Dive. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. I mean, there's not a whole, it's like the the, rep, the reptile god is a naga who's hypnotizing people into following her. Yeah. Who has a, by the way, a great name. You Talk about the names in this book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Explicitica. <laughs> yeah, this sort of like weirdly yeah, Roman, yeah. <laughs> like Latin What's her name? last name? Dominicus, I think. Did. Explicitica de, 
Defilers. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. And, and let's God, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's hypnotizing people to serve and worship her and great. And that's why everyone is <laughs> called. And that's great. I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, if, if like, if the motivation here is like magic has taken over your brain, then like, I'm satisfied with like the level of, evil that these cultists are performing yeah you know yeah I mean? it feels that's not crux. right so hold on this it's is not the like crux what thing. are you what kind of what kind of you know what have you done for me lately kind of evil you know what i mean it's like oh yeah there's yeah. magic here yeah well the thing is the biggest question to me if i ran this would uh-huh. be at what point do the player characters and at what point do the players because it might not be the same find out that these cultists are not under their own volition. Oh. Because they don't the have to find what, out. <laughs> once, yeah. once, once you find out, though, uh-huh. it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Because you probably killed killed a bunch by, <laughs> by that point. Well, the whole thing you know? is, I mean, it's a it's, pretty it's brutal story. And like, if you examine yeah. some of the details more closely, it gets worse. Oh, you no. know. Her point, her whole goal is to send a cleric to try to spread the cult in another town. And like, like... The, there's those elves there who are investigating it. I, it's so awesome. I love the elf thing where there's just these two elves show up to try to like figure it out, and and you they, they might not trust you. No one knows that they should trust you. So awesome. yeah, I think I think there's a lot of little details here that just really um, yeah lend either to like oh wow I could totally do something with like I can see how this would be interesting at the table and also some moments that are genuinely like ugh like when it describes yeah. like the like the the girl that's captive to the mm-hmm. like former head of the church and like uh yeah it's 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 there's definitely some like legitimately like sort of like ugh, kind of yeah. stuff going on they, like there's they left it to subtext there but i feel like the implication of sexual violence there was a little ick. yeah I, I i yeah I, you know i normally would agree but i also think it's totally what would happen in that situation yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah it's not um it's not like playing it's not like overplaying it up or anything like that it feels like that it's a light enough touch and like yeah sort of left to the um the tone of your table, I think in terms of like how cartoonish any of this should be. And I think that goes the same for like, you know, how do your players feel about like murdering cultists that are like mind controlled? Like that's really like a, what's the tone of your table kind of question. I think it walks a fine line because there's a lot of kids at this town. There are. And it, it never says like the, here are some brainwashed children. Instead it's like, there's, this house is abandoned or mm-hmm. this person had kids and those kids are, and they got brainwashed and you're just left to assume that their kids were fed to snakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 I think it, it's pretty well done. It's hard to do this without in some ways imagining off screen violence against children, which, you know, that's kind of my, that's kind of my line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, but I think it does a pretty good job of, of just like not mentioning it, but like implying it happens in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's effectively icky because I feel like we have realistic family structures here. And it's not like a, an adventure where the bad guys are all like ugly single men with no families. You know what I mean? And you have, there's no problem killing them. Like you see the kids of these cultists that you might be killing. And yeah, it's like it's it feels very uncomfortable. <laughs> like the bad here is not always bad you want to engage with. You know, it's. 
it's yeah it's kind of and just like oh man yeah the the like there's that one house where you just find like a body stuffed under the stairs like an abandoned build like house god there's so much stuff here this is not like feel good D. this is like uh, well it's got this whole like sort know. of like louisiana swamp setting definitely it's very yeah. like yeah. sort of spooky i like the old lady there's that yeah. widow who just hate, hates yeah. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> she's the she's the one that uh, she can only be taken if it's like rolled on a random table, which yeah. I think that stuff is great. The whole the cultists will act, you know, within X time of the players arriving, the characters arriving, mm-hmm. the, the cultists will act to start kidnapping random people in town. I think that's really cool. Um, we haven't talked about... Uh, uh, Gandalf. Yeah. Yet. I think yeah, so like a, there's a hermit in the woods, Ramney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's not even that easy to spot. I mean, he's kind of like tucked away. He doesn't interact with anybody. Like he's not going to be out wandering around. Uh, and it's not clear. He's a very powerful, he's like a level seven magic user, but he's kind of the key to finding this, the cultist. Cause his <laughs> weasel familiar can follow the snakes or the, uh, the troglodytes stench back to the lair. There's not a lot of other prescribed methods for finding that lair. Um, well, there's one way you can get kidnapped, right. which feels like the yeah, sort of true. what would happen in a lot of scenarios. I think depending on the party, yeah. like a lot uh-huh. of pi- places, like a lot of games that I've DM'd, like the the players like sort of beeline towards the end to like set up, you know, yeah. their thing. And like if there's a choice of two, there's sort of like a fifty percent chance here of like okay, they're gonna like the first night is gonna be a little bit rough. Um, right. Unless you follow one of my favorite hooks, which is that I came up with, which is, uh, the, the renown of that vintner, uh, in the snake tavern has reached the player. Yeah. And it's just like, they talk <laughs> about the wine. The, oh, this yeah. is the best wine you have <laughs> ever had. And uh-huh. I believe that adventurers would have heard about that. And like, maybe this is a beach episode in, that's, or the, and it's just like, <laughs> I want to go and yeah. have Orlane wine from the snake and pit or whatever the name of the, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is why we can't ha- take vacation. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like, like that like, sort of uh, thing. Another thing that struck me about this though, is that when you have these kind of built in setups to like kidnap players or whatever, or kid, you know, kidnap characters, they're a lot, usually a lot more incompetent than this because it gives players a chance to fight back with heroic va- violence. I feel like it'd be kind of hard to get out of this one. It's the like, the strategies laid out are like these airtight, like sort yeah. of killer DM strategies yeah. of like. They're, they're smart. They're casting yeah. silence. No one hears it. You can't cast spells. Then like four attackers at least come in from two sides of the room yeah. while you're unarmed. Yeah. And they're all assassins. Whatever. Like, like there should, there no, is, well, there is stuff to telegraph. Like you should not be sleeping in this inn. Like there is, I, there are signs, mm-hmm. but I feel like if you get to that point, you're kind of hosed, man. Like yeah. you're, I don't think you're getting out of that pickle. Yeah. Well, unless you are they're there specifically because you want them to try. Which I guess is the way so. I think is uh, no, no, that's how I think I have one player in particular who absolutely uh-huh. would suggest doing that. Yeah. If he suspected that in, he'd be like, we're going to stay there. Right. Um, and then set a counter things. trap kind of thing. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I can see that being exactly. a really cool um, s- scenario to play out. It would be awesome. Um, I, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed the pre-rolled characters list. It's so space conscious, you know, uh-huh. but tells yeah. you everything you need to know right away. And like, they're each such stereotypes, but they work so well. And one other thing, mm-hmm. the names in this are excellent. Great yeah, names. I think they did a really good name with a good job with all the names. Um, decidedly not 
the Gygaxian naming convention. No, um, don't of name like f- flirt Beeble come or whatever. It's like, you know, it's just <laughs> always awful when I'm going to blame it on Gygax. That was sort of, I feel like his Flirt. doing, but um, yeah, there is this. So I also like that many of the names could be male or female. Like, yeah, Magnus is probably male, but Kendrick, Ballard, Madel, Brenton. It's just, you could be any, it could be last Wendelin, name. You know, I, yeah. I, I like that. It's good. Yeah. Wendelin is like, it sounds like Gwendolyn, but it's also like weird enough where it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And you guys, cause you mentioned explicitica, explit, ugh, explitica defilus. There. Yes. Explitica defilus. Explitica. Um, yeah. Ex- oh yeah. No, it's explit, explictica. Explictica defilus. Yeah. I guess it is. you could read it that way. Oh. You, yep, I can. Uh, so is that actually Latin? Hold on. I mean, it sounds like I took I took Latin in high school, and um, it doesn't really help me in this situation. Um, I mean, I mean, I I assume it means something to the tune of explicitly bad, like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Phyllis, that sounds good. What did you think about Defilus having only forty HP? Uh, I don't, I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> I think it's fine. Oh, it's interesting. It's because yeah. usually you see these big bads and they're much tougher. Well, she's seven hit dice and this is, it could be a level one character. I think that's pretty. It's yeah. Nine, nine hit dice, nine, nine hit, hit dice. dice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty big beans, man. And she's in the water, right? She swims. You're in a boat. Yeah. But I feel like it's like a God snake thing. There is this, yeah, sort of this in this sort of minor god status of like tough but not unkillable. I think they lean a little bit too heavily into like you need Ramney for this. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, that's definitely it's, true. I, I, but that's mostly because of the uh, hypnotism. Aspect. Well, there's the hypnotism thing, and it's like he's got the spell to sort of counter this, and like there, this this adventure plays a little bit too closely with um what i can recognize as eventual dragon lance writing where it's just Definitely. like you get to be part of the cutscene between ramney and the naga <laughs> and like that's that i think that can be cool especially for like a level one adventure to maybe showcase like there's more powerful people than you in this world but it's also you are surrendering a certain amount of the story to like you know, the DM is playing one of these characters. Maybe you're not going to uh-huh. get the appropriate amount of feeling like your choices have consequences after like a certain point. And it's like, there's always a balancing act there. It just feels like they, they lean a lot on like, okay, just so you know, like Ramney better go with them because otherwise it's going to be really yeah. hard. And yeah, you need this, the ferret or whatever to like find you the trogs the- and like do this whole thing. It's I like, I think it's pretty bogus. Like, it it's so prescribed the first like okay as written it's like ramney when he gets in his boat senses something's wrong and casts globe of invulnerability and then the naga of her first round casts fireball but good thing you had that globe set up because it won't kill everyone as soon as it's like like, that to me is so like cut scene before the fight starts in the video game but it's i mean yeah it doesn't feel cool don't don't give me that if you want to give the this thing the power to kill everyone in one hit then like I don't know. Don't bake it into some kooky narrative that I have to have this wizard with me in order to not just right. die. Yeah. And it's 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 uh the whole Romney thing is a big problem. Um I would completely remove that character 
from the game and just keep the idea of the character who has a weasel that can sniff him out. That's kind of the only part I would keep. Yeah, give the weasel to yeah, that ranger that like lives the, in town. Yeah, no, no, no. Give the weasel to the old lady. Oh, that's way better. You're right. You're right. That's awesome. Why does the lady have a, a magic weasel? I've because her husband left it for her when he died. God. All right, all right. I I mean she like she reads to me as more like the magic user in the town. Like, and maybe that's just supposed mm-hmm. to be a red herring where like everyone would obviously think this old lady is awesome um, because she hates you and everything. But like it, <laughs> it feels to me like you got like the like the sort of baddie old lady in the town, but also the old wizard is sort of like a hat on a hat. Like, and maybe this is just like they're just trying to expand on things. But like, I feel like you could you could consolidate a little bit there. The old lady's role in the adventure is pretty funny in that she is covered in valuable diamond rings, <laughs> has no way to defend herself. But if players steal from her, like. <laughs> they, the gods curse them there's a lot of like <laughs> deus like ex machina style like yeah. if you're bad in this oh, in the temple like yeah. merica will punish you um yeah which is interesting also i uh, fun fact merica was created for this adventure this is a douglas niles okay. original um mm-hmm. yeah what's that what's with that name <laughs> oh you mean like Mer- merica uh, yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. i see yeah, that's that is what yeah. I meant. Uh, so, all right, uh, we've been doing this thing where um, the Brad, Brad and I suggest th- things we do different. What did you want to call it again, Brad? Well, we were talking about like how to connect it with other stuff, and I said we should call it intimate connections. Ooh, but in this case, it doesn't really make sense because we're not necessarily connecting with other modules. Um, I was hoping also to license uh, the song Intimate Connection by the 70, late 70s disco soul band Clear. Great track. Uh, if you don't know that one, look Delightful. it up. Delightful. I'm going to look it up. Intimate Connections, baby. Um, I think it'd be if great. If nothing else, we could do here. like, yeah. you know, if you do less than eight seconds, I think you can just use it. Great. Let's use it. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Intimate Connections time. What are we adding? What are you changing? What are you modifying? Uh, you go. Well, let me see here. It wasn't really, I, I was sort of thinking about this. Um, I, like I said, I, I, I wouldn't use it as the first, as the first, uh, camp like session for like a, like a, like a group that was going to be sort of running through things. Like I would definitely try and connect it up with like, there would be a thing here where it's just like, you know, the party is, you know, tasked with finding Iggy Olivero or, you know, something to that tune or like, yeah, is working for the church of America. And so like sliding it in somewhere there. So God, what connect, what would I connect that with? Like, I mean, you could easily connect this adventure to like, uh, like, like one of the, um, like one of those beloved sort of OSR starting modules, like black worm of Brandon's Ferd or something like that. It's got similar, like here's a town with people in it kind of thing. Like maybe that's a little bit like budding two things that are similar up together. Maybe, maybe something that was in a city. And then you go here after that to sort of vary it because you got a lot of like sort of mucky wilderness going on. Um, Am I doing it right? I this is a oh I don't know it's just kind of we're riffing on like uh, also things you might want to change or add or or whatever. 
Um, yeah, like 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 me saying I wouldn't want Romney yeah. in the game as he. We is. don't yeah, have a very think, um, firmed up definition of this segment of the show yet. I just yeah. wanted that. Song. We're working on it. We're working. Oh, on it. oh, I got something. Yeah. Okay. I uh, would remove all giant rodents from D anD D in general. Um, the the obsession with this that this game has with giant weasels. <laughs> what about scampers though? Brad, what about Scamper? City is daylight. It would be nothing without its giant, yeah. giant rat. Listen. I mean, it. to be clear, I do love Thank Scampers. So. Listen, I'll be honest, Brad. I have not read Hideous Daylight. That's okay. But We're still friends. How dare you? I know. I, I'm getting to it. I got a stack. You should. It's I believe great, you. Man. I believe you. I like Brad's work. You I've read You don't have to read fans. everything you're, by someone. You're, I, I, you're I haven't read all of Sam's stuff. Friendship. I haven't read all of your stuff. Okay? It's fine. Right? Exactly. That's true. Um, That's true. But there's just like a lot of like... They lean into the sort of giant rodent thing theme, uh-huh. I think, a lot uh, in this era of D&D with, like, the layer of the giant weasel kind of stuff and, like, giant uh, naked mole rats or whatever. It's like, I, <laughs> yeah. it just, I think, I think it depends, it really depends on the kind of, the kind of game you're running, but sometimes I feel like it might be uh, distractingly silly mm. um, for me, at least. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Giant rat feels like appropriately sort of fantasy pastiche. Giant weasel is so specific. You're getting so specific into your, into your rodentia at that point, that unless you are leaning into it and doing a thing where you've like, this is the, this is a, a focus of this thing. It's just like the fact that there's just randomly giant weasels. Like my, my mind goes down this road where it's just like, I'm world building around giant. We- like how many people are walking around in yeah. weasel, like giant weasel fur capes now? Like, is this like a major thing? Is this a known quantity? Are they yeah. everywhere? Are all the animals in D and D giant? Sometimes they're just sort of bigger than usual. And, but then it's like, Oh, this is sort of like a megaphone. It's just like, it gets very distracting for me. I feel in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I would, I would probably also remove Ramney that it's, or just do it differently. Uh Um, it's too much. There's too much of that railroading towards the end of this adventure. Otherwise I think there's a lot of solid fun to be had in that way. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got. Here's what I would change. So I don't, I don't have any like ideas of things I would tack on like other modules. I will say some things I might, uh, add to the module or modify um one is i mean the town is so strong it doesn't need this but i kind of want a random encounters table of happenings in the town all the villagers we know what they do when they see a stranger from out of town but i want to see them interact with each other more so i want to have like some random encounters or maybe villagers are talking or something happens i want the town to feel a little bit more dynamic so i might come up with a random encounter table maybe like eight entries about stuff like that um uh, build you know some an opportunity to show something creepy happening or vill- villagers being weird or just being distrustful of each other i think there could be a little bit of extra there um the dungeon i want to just add a little i need a little more i don't know a little more like talking in there okay here's what i think you can add here, ready game designers here's something you can add and should add to every subterranean dungeon okay you sh- I think you should have a little freaky guy that is there just because he likes it. Okay. Ooh. I just want like a little freaky golem guy who's like, I'm fine with this place. I live here. It's kind you of know? the harpy, right? Maybe it's the harpy. The harpy's like evil and wants to kill you, though. I feel like this should always be a uh, totally shades of gray little freak. That gotcha. 
players probably won't feel too bad about killing, but they're also like, <laughs> maybe we can talk to this guy and get something out of him. Okay. I think we need a little mud freak that just lives in the dungeon. It's like, ah, this is my house. You know, and he's like, oh, the snake people are down that hallway. Ugh, can I have some food? You have onions, you know. This is ex- this is just your little gr- little goblin dude, little green. Th- that's what I'm saying. You always want. I little, feel like every dungeon guy. like this doesn't matter. You know, people build these dungeons like, oh, it's a, it's a haunted catacomb, and there's only skeletons here. I'm like, guess what? You have room for a little freak who just likes being there. He's like, I, I'm fine I, with this. I live here. Just put a little golem freak in your dungeon, people. It's gonna be. Better. I actually, I kind of, I'm kind of in support of this. Just like a sloppy yeah. little freak that hangs out. Like, I yeah. do think that that's like. I, I tend to put those sort of characters in things yes. and it is, it, it, it is almost always you get that great moment where the party gets to decide, yeah, is this somebody that we hate or right. that we totally love for some reason? Right. And it's like just sort of giving them the option. And you can't, you know, you can't have a little freak like this. If you haven't, it's, if this is just a dungeon campaign and you've got five dungeons in a row, you can't have the same little muddy freak in every dungeon, but <laughs> This one, put in a little mud freak. Oh, this is my house. I sleep in this put pit of mud. I like it, actually. I'm cool with this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, it, would, it would break it up. It would break it up and give players something to interact with. He could help, they could help them. He could help each other. He wants something gross. Whatever. Okay. Anyway. Do you like the idea of Majora's maskifying the town a little bit more, though, to give uh-huh. you that sort of like, How here's so? a... Well, this like the... Um, specifically, just the the like having like a schedule of like, this is what the people are yeah. sort of up to here. are oh, Some encounters, not got a it. three day ticking. T- <laughs> right. Although to be fair, there is yeah. sort of like, you've got a little bit of a clock going uh-huh. on this whole adventure, which is kind of good, I think. Um, but yeah, that I think so, would help. Okay. So how, since we're going to wrap up here in a uh-huh. minute, I want to ask, uh, what did you think about the, there's these rules for escaping. Like there's, there's this point where the PCs um, here, I'll, I'll actually go right to it. It's on page 26. Uh, it's in the mud trap. And oh, yeah, I'll try to explain this. Um, characters trying to rescue trapped friends should be told <laughs> that their chances for escape will go down the longer they remain in the chamber. Each character can make one attempt at rescue per round by rolling a D20. If the resulting number is equal to or less than the character's strength, treat 18 and higher as 19 they have rescued a comrade there is no actual reduction in the chances to escape for the first two rounds but starting with the third round the chances go down 10 percent per round and then there's a very long yeah. paragraph describing how about. this it's works. like a trap where it, the the muddy ceiling collapses and it's hard to get out i yeah. i my eyes kind of glazed over at that part um i i could from the example i could see how it was suitably deadly um Oh, and yeah. kind of horrifying, yeah. drowning in mud, trying to save yeah, your friends. Yeah, scary stuff. Uh, I, I, the rules were way too cumbersome for me to understand in the moment, so I was like, eh, who cares? I'm not reading this right now. Um, I don't know how I would play that at the table. It seemed like too much too much fiddliness, but um, whatever. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> it could be handled with just like a couple of different like ability checks or right. saving throws Roll kind of things strength, like minus two right. i don't know you right. know i just yeah right? like no not even that it's, so go ahead. No, i was just gonna say those kind of things i always try to play by ear where it's yeah. just like you know does it feel does it feel like it'll be like really earned if you get out does it feel like it'll be unfair if you die like you know just sort of playing the drama of the table and you know sort of eyeballing yeah what that means like 
but the tools are all already sort of there. I don't know why there are so many sort of additional rules other than say this is supposed to be scary. Like, well, anyhow, no, no, yeah. Let's um, let's wrap it up. Um, all in all, we all like this a lot. We would change it in a couple small ways, but in general. It's just a cool, cool little it's adventure. Cool. It's good. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. it. I think this is of the old modules that we've reviewed so far. I think this might be the strongest. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, I know. I mean, I re- I really enjoy Tower of the Silver Princess or uh, Palace of the Silver Princess. Uh, it's Palace. Pa- excuse me, sorry. I really enjoyed Palace of the Silver Princess mm-hmm. because it had the most fun. Yeah. It was just so fun, uh-huh. you know, and silly and ridiculous and Travis. Travis, uh, yeah. But this one, this one is the most like the kind of adventures that I yeah. have. I think this, this one, it feels best, a lot. But yeah, it feels. Yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like this one's getting the Oscar, but I'm still going to. I The one that I want to watch is White Plume Mountain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not, I think it's that's, not better, uh, yeah. but it is what I want to. That's that's the one for me more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this one. Wow. I, I, I guess my my quantifying of of best is really like, is it is it specifically like taking taking some swings, giving me like a like a like a complete feeling thing to run mm-hmm. and feeling sort of satisfying at the end. Like it does feel like it's got like a sort of whole package thing going on. Whereas I agree, I think it's definitely not the most fun. But I do think it's like sort of like I, a lot of times what I'm looking for in one of these old adventures is something that feels like I don't have to do like a whole lot of work to run it. Yeah. And I feel like I would have to sort of put in the least amount of like sort of editorial time Definitely. to get this from from farm to table. Well, yeah. As it were. It, it did receive in 2004 in Paizo's uh, 116th issue of. Dungeon. Yeah, I had that one. Um, they, they did a like greatest. Thir- I think it's thirty. Yeah, yeah. thirty greatest D and D modules, D and D adventures. This received nineteen. Yeah. Hmm. Out of thirty. I think it should, I think it should be so higher. Just right in the middle. I there. think it'd be a great Halloween uh, sidetrack too. I think that now's the time. Pull this one out. It's creepy. You know. Yeah. And here's my soundtrack pairing. You ready? I'm getting some. I'm getting some Suspiria vibes from this one. All right. Ooh. So I want to play. I'm playing Goblin. I'm going to pull out the Suspiria soundtrack. I'm pulling out the Profondo Rosso soundtrack as well. But I think those Italian, you know, the little, the creepy soundtrack, Italian giallo soundtrack here is what is what the right vibe is. All right. I think it's going to sound good. We can good. get into that. Yeah. Uh, I think I would pair it with right. um, the band O Death, which is like a, like, like a, like a sort of, uh, f- folk metal um like dark country kind of <laughs> wow. setup yeah I, well I, I, when you say old death it immediately reminds me of the coen brothers film it is named after oh, brother, that, that song that song yeah, yeah. oh what a which is a classic it is a k it is a kkk member singing it in the in the film but wow is that a good song <laughs> it's such a yeah yeah it's cool sounds cool all right. Well, uh, this has been Between Two Cairns. You can reach us at betweentwocairns at gmail.com. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash betweentwocairns. You can find us on the Karen Discord to answer Sam's question. Uh, what do you think of when you think of a troglodyte? And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week with another module to review. Thank you, Sam, uh, once again for coming on. Do you want to, uh, you know, talk about your 
so your internet socials thingies. Thank, thank you once again for having me. It's always a pleasure to do these. It's super fun. Uh, I look forward to the next one. Uh, I, um, I'm on all the same places. I got, I'm on Blue Sky now. I don't know if I like it or wow. not. It's just sort it's of happened. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like it's doesn't it certainly hasn't made my blood boil the way the Twitter used to. So start. it's yeah, it's mostly just like you know I got to try and uh, be on social media to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. So I do that and occasionally post things. But you can always go to my website betterlegends.com and that's got all the things if you want to hire me or talk to me or um, whatever. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. That's all it. right. Well, uh, thanks everyone. See you next time. Yeah, keep it greasy. Bye-bye. That's it? Really? Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is great. All right. Bye, everyone.